0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element
0: FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to welcome to our show today Yazzie, a.k.a. Yazzie the Chef, and he is uh, a Dene chef who focuses on bringing together hyper-local Indigenous ingredients from the streams, rivers, and forests to revitalize healthy Indigenous cuisine. And he brings a creativity to ancestral knowledge through modern techniques. And he's also a YouTube creator under Yazzie the Chef TV, a delegate of Slow Food Turtle Island Association and a member of the Eye Collective, a collective of cooks, chefs, Seed keepers, farmers, foragers, and scholars focused on bringing awareness to the cultural appropriations of Indigenous food of the Americas. And his TV and media appearances include The Lens, Alternative Taste of the Nation, as well as The Dish on CBC This Morning. So it's a pleasure to have Yazzie here on the show. Yazzie, welcome.
2: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, you are also the executive chef uh, at Gatherings Cafe Minneapolis American Indian Center. And you're currently working with other chefs and volunteers to deliver uh, support and support Native elders in the communities within the Twin Cities uh, and Navajo Nation uh, during this pandemic, which is a nice thing to hear about. And, uh, and, the, and the way that uh, one, I guess, can help to give back as well. But you're here because you are also taking part in Devour. The Food Film Festival, which takes place annually at the in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. You
2: no, know, it'll be my, my first time in that neck of the woods. You know? It will.
0: Uh, I was going to ask you if this was going to be your first time with the Devour Food Film Festival.
2: Yeah, it is. And through my good friend uh, Joseph Chihuana, you know, um, he's a good Ottawa chef. <laughs> you know, a good friend of mine who I met um, about two years ago at a Intertribal Food Summit in Southern Michigan mm. in the Pukagan, um, the uh, Pokagon uh, tribal community, you know, so I got a chance to meet him there and do collaboration with him, you know, and then from there, we just started networking.
0: That's great. Now you are also in, in part of this devour, the food film festival, uh, you're going to be leading an indigenous culinary workshop that is going to be, be available online and in person on Saturday, October
2: 23rd. Yeah. So the workshop is basically focusing on the, uh, the Southwest, um, um, indigenous um, food culture mm. if, if you may and specifically um the the navajo food culture you know i'll be doing a uh, play on on oatmeal or polenta but it'll be blue cornmeal you know so mm. um for example with the with the navajo um culture and, and many many cultures who have corn part of their, their their food culture you know say that you know as the infant you know becoming a toddler you know, you're going from a liquid diet to solid Mm. diet, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, as an elder returning to the spirit world, you know, you're going from solid diet to liquid diet again, Mm. you know, and and, and in between those phases, you know, blue corn mush, is one of the big medicine for not just food, but it's medicine for my tribe, Navajo or Diné in the Southwest, you know? So I'll I'll be doing a uh, play on polenta. Um, It'll be, um, traditionally we call it blue corn mush. You know, mm. and I'll be um doing like a small modern twist to it, adding some um pumpkin seeds, um some dried berries, and um probably maple syrup or agave. You know, um I'll probably do agave. You know, to me, agave is the maple of the Southwest. Mm. You know, agave syrup. You know, and then some some um uh, acorn acorn flour, I believe. So yeah, just a, a couple of um uh, Southwest um flavors that I'll be doing workshop on with the group of fifty to eighty.
0: Yeah, that sounds great, and congratulations on that. It, it, it's you know this festival. Uh, when I started to read about it and and understand that it's, it's the world's largest, that's that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. W- when I received the invitation, you know, I I definitely had to look into it, and it is you know it, it is definitely uh, a great opportunity to not just showcase um, indigenous food cuisine, but to also keep that momentum of um the indigenous representation right with with the film industry but this time including food you know so that's the only difference but to me food is still art as well you know an empty plate is an empty canvas right and (laughs) our food is our, our paint you know our utensils and knives are our brushes you know so that's the way i see food as a um you know when i was in culinary school you know that that's how i seen um art but with that program, right, culinary arts, So, okay, how's food art, you know, so I started to look at these different perspectives, but focusing on the indigenous food for sure.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you pointed that out because uh, I, I had another chef on the show who's also involved with the, uh, with the festival, uh, Jenny Lazard, and she was talking about, you know, her workshop and what she'll be doing, and she's going to be working with kids, and she said how great it was going to be to work with kids, not only for their honesty but also because, um, just like you were saying, not only is it art, but it's a creative process where you're, you're taking something and it's natural ingredients and you're transforming them, whether it be through the mixing of them, uh, through the, the changing of them by, by crushing them or whatever you're doing, and then uh, putting them together and, and maybe throwing them in the, the oven and voila, pops, uh, pops out this, this magnificent food that is uh, transformed from the heat and the process and, and it's something that you can then sit down and enjoy and eat. It's, it's great. Definitely. You do this at Yazzie the, the Chef TV. Can you tell me something about that and how that got started?
2: Yeah, uh, funny brother. i was just working on some more business cards before we fly out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I got into um, the food industry, or I got into my passion for cooking. You know, um, at the age of seven, mm-hmm. through my mom, mm-hmm. you know, a single parent household, and just me wanted to help, right? And right. The youngest out of eight, and you know, and then go to culinary school and finding my uh, finding my path and my career with indigenous food. And from there, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I do catering, I travel, do presentation, you know, what else can I do, you know, within this lifetime that not just evolves around food, but around, you know, what I have in mind and what I feel like I I could do, you know. Um, So I created this YouTube channel in 2016 uh, called Yazi the Chef TV and it's focused on travels. you know, uh, some food recipes, you know, just some of the stuff that I share as well. You know, and recently um, uh, I started promoting my podcast, which will be airing here in, in a couple of weeks, I believe. Um, just had to re- redo the, um, the, the first episode. You know, we had a little issue going on. So it, it'll be airing here in a couple of weeks on my YouTube channel and some local broadcasting here in the Midwest area in, in um, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and Minnesota area. You know, so, um, yeah, so my YouTube channel is just um, the reason why I started was because, you know, I wanted to do a different outlook. But then I fell back on food, the focus with my YouTube channel on food, because traveling for a couple of years to travel communities, I realized that a lot of our travel communities are still on a third world poverty status, meaning they can't you know that they have lack of funds to bring out a chef, right, to, to bring out someone to do workshop or, or cook. You know, so it's like, how, how can I reach out to these communities that are not able to, you know, to, to, to have me come out to the community? You know, so, um, I started the YouTube channel, started sharing easy made recipes, you know, so that was a way of connecting. And when the pandemic hit, unfortunately, you know, we're going through this pandemic, but for me, I had already established this channel and this way of teaching virtually, you know? And so I started using that with different organizations who are still trying to, um, teach their community uh, virtually through the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Cool. It, it, do you find it difficult in terms of uh, preparing or talking or sharing these things online with uh, with an audience or or with uh, other uh, other communities?
2: It, it is, you know, because I come from a, um, a community community based mentality, right? Mm. Meaning, um, whatever I do, I try to follow tribal protocol. Mm. I try, and try to follow what is appropriation for right. for, for um, not overstepping the cultural boundaries, right? Sure. sure. So. In other words, it's not selling for profit. Yep. You know, so so, you know, and the, the way I do that is I for example, if I travel to different travel communities, you know, I, I connect with the elders and, and not just the, the community coordinators, but the elders and people who are actually in the community, you know, asking them about their, their foraging practices, their hunting, mm-hmm. what's in season, you know, how we can mm-hmm. collaborate, you mm-hmm. know, so the community can be involved and just not the guest chef. Right. You know, so so I, I believe that's my way of, of doing
0: that. Yeah, that's great. You know, when you were just talking about that, about the foraging and about uh, what are their protocols and how they go about things, we're hearing more and more about that in terms of how restaurants are starting to include that. Uh, I guess one, it's for freshness and one is to, that, that those, those ingredients really make a difference. Yeah,
2: I, I mean, you know, looking beyond keto diet, paleo diet and get these different, Challenges that happen monthly, right? Mm. You know, lo- lo- looking at what is, you know, organic, w- what, what is basic, what is balanced health, right? When mm. you're looking at food, mm. you know, it's basically what is around us. What, what, what is local ingredients? Mm. You know, that's, that's basically what that is, you know. And for example, you know, we're all indigenous to a certain place in time, right? And we all have the food culture, you know, if not, if not wiped up with colonialism, but at the same time, you know, I'm looking at these ingredients for me, it's just that the basic of, of, um, of culinary for me is looking at what is around me in a one mile radius. Right. For, for example, I'm in the land of 10,000 lakes. So in one lake, I can find um, a duck or a rabbit, you know, a beaver, a, a um, you know, any, any kind of small game animal. Um, I can find berries, I can find sweet grass sage. you know, I can use the water from the lake, you know, so all these ingredients can make one meal. You know, so it's just looking at, looking out your back door, out your backyard, if you're not already cultivating, to you know, look at your edible landscape and, and look at where you set them up. I,
0: I guess the, the other thing around that is that, that for, for doing that kind of thing and, and bringing in indigenous ingredients, uh, whether, and, and if it's game, uh, there's some, I understand there's also some, uh, certain rules and regulations you have to follow around it.
2: Yeah. Um, there, there are, but here in, in the States, um, it's a, um, it's a bit different depending what tribe you're from mm. or what what region or what um tribal organization you're with because <clears throat> regardless if it's national parks or not, um if, if you're if you're indigenous and you have your travel card and a your paper, right. you're able to forage a certain amount of ingredients off of that um right. travel park or right. the, the, the the federal run um um areas. You know, so so for me, you know, I always go foraging. I haven't got carded yet. I haven't. know got pulled over for anything you know i just go out there and practice and practice my foraging rights, just like i i would back home you know so but there there are protocols and there are seasonal um, restrictions that you definitely have to follow
0: the other thing about about going out and finding uh, ingredients uh, that you are going to be using that day or whatever it might be uh, for uh, preparing a meal. The whole process of knowing where your food has come from, uh, having picked it yourself, uh, ha- having that history, having that story to tell, having that association with it is a lot different than just picking stuff up off the shelf.
2: It definitely. I think when the, during the pandemic, you know, a lot, a lot of us, a lot of um, the general population are starting to understand that. Mm. you know l- looking at food a bit differently right and for me for example um i have you know a couple of community members since pandemic hit a couple of community members from my hometown the nava nation have been reaching out to me like how are different ways i can use mm. the russet potato you know how yeah. can i use sweet potatoes in different ways mm. you know so so just talking just having those type of conversations especially within your own community and starting that ripple effect of um trying new recipes, they'll trying something healthier because I um, know um especially in in my region of the Napa nation, you know they are giving out a, a lot of food, right but then there's also a lot of food waste that are coming out from these mutual aid of um, support right to tribal communities right. there's a lot of food waste because a lot of our tribal community members don't know how to how to utilize or cook a certain ingredient yeah. you know because they have never been um, um exposed or had a- access to organic ingredients you know so yeah, so, so, and that's, that's where, um, you know, the work like my YouTube channel and virtual teaching kicks in with a lot of um, um, tribal summits and virtual teachings that are happening now across the um, across Indian country.
0: Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. I'm your host David Moses. This is Moment of Truth and my guest is Brian or uh, Yazi the chef. Uh, he is a Dene chef who focuses on bringing together hyper local ingredients, indigenous ingredients uh, from streams, rivers and forests uh, to revitalize the healthy indigenous cuisine and he is taking part in Devour the Food Film Festival which takes place annually in Wolfville, Nova Scotia and and it is coming up, taking place from October 19th to the 24th. He will be leading an Indigenous culinary workshop that is available online and in person on Saturday, October 23rd. So I encourage you to check out Devour Online, the Food Film Festival. Now, we've been talking a lot about the food, but there's also, as I say, there's uh, they're paired with films. So it's a film festival as well. And it's the largest uh, food and film festival of its kind in the world. You know, Yazzie, earlier you talked about helping your mom when you were much younger, and uh, and that's how you sort of got interested in this because I think you said you were younger, youngest of seven or eight in your family.
2: Yeah, I was the youngest out of eight siblings. Yeah. Um, and for for me, you know, I was about five years old when my dad passed away. Mm. So my older siblings, you know, had had some you know chance or time to sure. spend time with my dad, right? Yeah. But, for me, you know, I had glimpses of memories of him, mm. you know. But um, I but you know, just growing up in a single parent household, you know, at, at the age of seven, is when I realized, like, you know, my mom does need help, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. so I just started helping in ways I could. One of them was just, you know, um, having access to a kitchen and yeah. then having her encouragement and support in that as well.
0: And I find that interesting. That you found your you're sort of calling at that early age, that you started to enjoy that because again, that is similar to the other chef that we had on the show that's taking part in this uh, film festival and food festival, uh, Jenny Lazard, who uh, expressed a similar kind of story about it being very early on in life that uh, she found this love of food and this this kind of calling towards this line of work. What what do you think it is about that that drew you to it
2: um i feel like especially living like for me living on the reservation in my in my early childhood you know and, and um realizing that living in a rural area you know there's only so much you could do right um mm. de- on the especially if you're a kid mm-hmm. you know so living in a, a small community you know there, there's only certain things i could do with basketball you know yep. um baseball football yep. whatever it was yep. right but for me um Around that time, you know, it's not what I was into, you know, so, but I, I think it's just that support that I've seen that unconditional love that my mom showed me. It's like, okay, you know, at home is where I should be. You know, h- How can I help with that? Mm-hmm. You know, so, and, and I don't see it as a negative way as it taking my childhood away from me. I see it as in a different perspective on childhood, you know, just, just picking up a passion for cooking at an early age, right? Mm-hmm. And right now it is paying the price, you know, it, it's definitely showing, showing off that success and that achievement, you know, so I, I see that way, you know, and what's a recent conversation with my mom, for sure.
0: You're part of this, uh, Slow Food Turtle Island Association. Can you tell me something about that, how it works and, and why you're part of this, this collective and, and what it
2: does? Yeah. So my, my wife and I, um, started a started with um our catering company at the tribal foodways so we have a catering company where we we, tra- we, we travel internationally do mm. pop-up dinners and mm. you know pop-up dinners and um and, and catering and, and banquets conferences, whatever and so we we connected with a friend of mine named dan cornelius he's one of the leading um 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 le- leading um individuals for um slow food turtle island okay and uh, you know he 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 told me what the program was about you know and they were looking for for more more people in the food movement to join that you know so i end up looking them up and traveling with them now it's been about almost five years now you know since i have been with that with 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 that group and we traveled to japan uh, italy you know um the denmark all different parts of the world wow you know and it's just um a group of seakeepers you know farmers cooks chefs scholars food activists from from the americas right from canada to south america Hmm. you know and and these individuals represented different part of the food movement you know so they created um slow food turtle island association under slow food international so slow food is an umbrella of um you know, an entity focusing on organic food waste and connecting Indigenous um, communities and their food culture with the world.
0: Wow. Great. Thanks for sharing that. As you were talking there, I was wondering about he- the heat process, the heat, um, you know, going back to the kind of heat that you might cook with and how that affects uh, uh, food in, in the cooking process. And what I mean by that is whether it's gas, electric, or, or, or an open fire, uh, how does that change things?
2: For sure. Um, you, you know, uh, traditionally when, when food or, or traditional dishes are cooked, how it should be like outside in, mm-hmm. the, in the open pit, you yeah. know, on the ground, right. you know, it's definitely a different flavor than it is cooking with the modern oven. Right. Sure is. Um, yeah. For example, one uh, with the street rally, what we'll be doing is we'll be doing a um a traditional um Navajo kneel down corn. Um uh, uh, so basically it's like a tamale without the meat inside. Mm-hmm. So it, it is fresh corn that is grinded up, you know, with, with the juice and everything, grind it up, and then you can add some flavor to it if you want. Mm-hmm. And and then um uh mix with some corn flour, just a little bit of corn flour to to get the binding in and, and then sweeten it with maple or agave if you want or honey. You know, and and then you you would stuff the husk and roll it up like you would did it. You would do it tamale, and instead of steaming it, you would cook underground. Mm. Uh, traditionally, it's cooked underground anywhere from four to twelve hours, depending right. the, the amount of um um bread you're cooking. And um, but you know, for for our trip to um for devour, you know, for um our, our street food um menu, we'll be focusing on that. But we'll be using it modern oven. Mm. You know, so there is a difference, but. You know, if you try, meal down bread traditionally made underground and buy it from an elder just right off the road, a food vendor, Mm. man, you you can taste the earth, you can taste the nutty flavor, you can taste the corn, you know, just everything, you know, it's just that landscape that you're on, you know, so, but it'll be, it'll be similar, you know, but you you cannot just be uh, traditional cooking.
0: Yeah. You know, as you were talking there, it made me think about cooking over an open fire. It's exactly the same thing. You get this, not only the, uh, the smell, you get the smoke, you get a little, maybe a little bit of the ash floating up from the fire that gets into your meal as well. And it (laughs) it all gets in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. And as I mentioned, you're going to be there. Uh, w- w- are you heading up there for the hall event uh, or are you heading up there just closer to the day that uh, of, of Saturday, October 23rd, when you are doing your workshop?
2: Uh, no, we'll be arriving on the 20th, I believe. So we'll be missing at least one day of the, event, the opening ceremony. We mm-hmm. might be missing. Right. No. Yeah. So um here. So you mentioned Ganderers Cafe. So I am the, uh, the, um, the new executive chef and the, and i'll be representing that cafe as well oh nice you know and also representing my, my, myself as you know see the chef yeah. but with the cafe you know we, we've just been short staff and we're recruiting recruiting more um, sure. interns and staff so yeah. you know for that reason right. i won't be coming up on the, on the 19th but instead of the 20th right you know and and that just falls back on you know pandemic and what, yeah. what's happening with the competition in yeah. the uh, food industry across the world you know you're, you have cooks who are looking for a higher pay right you mm-hmm. know so and, and it's hard for small businesses and nonprofit kitchens yeah. to, to to compete with chain restaurants or and dining yeah. who are able to to support that type of um, you know um, interest yeah you know so so for me, you know we, we tried to open back in July, but we've just been r- r- rotating our staff. You know, so, it, so sure. it's kind of hard to actually, you know, get some employees in right now. But what we've been doing is re- recruiting m- new staff and, and teaching them the last couple of weeks, you mm. know, um, h- how, to, how to run a kitchen, et cetera, you know, right. what positions they're in. Yeah. And also our, our program is um, indigenous communities first and then and then um, people of color. You right. know? So w- what we do is we teach community members 18 and older uh, how, how to um, how, basically how to run a kitchen at the end of the at the end of the program you know we bring them in no experience necessary so you know the fundamentals of cooking you know how, how do you properly use a knife you know how, how to carry a knife and the cutting board through mm. a crowded kitchen mm. you know the sanitation the, the the pantry inventory you know how to run the pos system you know how to open a cafe how to close the cafe at the end of the day you know so just, just teaching that to the interns is, is one of the programs that we have
0: Oh, there are so many things there that you just mentioned about what is needed <laughs> to run a cafe or, you know, and take care of that. And, and you're absolutely correct. You, you think about all of those things. You just mentioned even ha- handling a knife or, or you know, uh, a cutting board and all of those kind of things. Plus, the 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 um, uh, keeping things clean, keeping things sanitary. Just like you said, people have to be so aware of all of those things. Uh, it, I guess it could be quite overwhelming for someone that is just stepping into that world.
2: That De- Definitely it is, you know, um, and it is a very small kitchen as well, mm. you know, so so you just got to find your way to, to make stuff work, right? Yeah. So, and I have worked in smaller kitchens, you know, so, and, and I'm saying small because on the business side of the cafe, you know, it's probably about half of um, the space that we have. Mm. And the second half is a congregate um, dining room for the elders in the community and yeah. the urban space that we live. Yeah. So we have elders that come by. You know, right before the pandemic, it was anywhere from nine a.m. to four p.m. They would hang out in that small dining room area. You know, even though it has a prep table and an oven, no, but that is their space. You know, so 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 just trying to balance that out as well has been has been crazy. And
0: you know, is again, I'm thinking of uh, not only health and safety of keeping things clean, but also, I guess, when you're in a real hurry, as we all know, food is being prepared, uh, meals are being called in uh, that need to be prepared and trying to keep all of that kind of stuff in mind but you also need to keep your own health uh, your own personal safety in mind because you're dealing with sharp objects and uh, hot objects and all kinds of things that are going on at the same time in, inside of a kitchen
2: De- definitely you know um, depending on the type of kitchen you run right like for us well we, we don't, um, we don't do um fried food mm. so mm. You know, unfortunately we don't have a uh, fried bread on our menu you know, right. we don't have indian tacos we don't have like fried mm-hmm. fries or fried chicken yeah. right so we, we don't have a fryer basically in our kitchen so that's yeah. one thing one less thing to worry about you know but at the same time for for me for my staff we have to be creative yeah. to come up with something to make with the crispy texture right instead yeah. of frying it You know, so, yeah, so just having that creativity and, and just not me creating the menu, but having my staff and the interns input within the seasonal menu, you know, so, so that way we move forward collectively instead of just having me come up with these menus.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Yazzie, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, and uh, congratulations on all your success. Congratulations on taking part in the Devour Food Film Festival uh, going on from uh, October uh, 19th to the 24th. And uh, the fact that you'll be uh, leading this Indigenous Culinary Workshop that's available online and in person on Saturday, October 20th Third, safe journeys to uh, that part of the country and that part of Turtle Island and a uh, safe trip home. And we wish you all the best in the future. And I just want to say anyawa and kimiigwech for taking the time to join us on the show and, and share this with us.
2: Same, same to you. Yeah. Um, th- thank you for having me. You know, I appreciate the opportunity you know, to give me some space and time on the airwaves you know, to, just to share. Not just indigenous uh, food perspective, but the culture and the art that falls behind that. You know, yeah. coming from a struggle, right, and mm. now having a career and using the platform where I can help share this awareness. Mm. You know, I appreciate that, and um, and to the audience and people listening, you, know, you can follow me at Yazi the Chef TV on YouTube or Yazi the Chef on all social media platforms. Thank cool. you again.
0: And that is uh, Yazi the Chef. You can find out more about him by visiting, as he said, Yazi the Chef. TV, and he is going to be taking part in the Devour, the food film festival, and that is taking place uh, from October 19th to the 24th in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Not only is Devour Canada's largest food and film festival, it's also the biggest of its kind globally. You can find out more by going to their website at devourfest.com to find out all about. The food, the films, and all the events and things that are taking place there uh, throughout that time. By the way, on the 19th, Thompson Highway will be their guest that is opening up uh, this festival. So you want to check that out. Don't go away because we're going to be right back with Jenny Lazard, the other chef taking part in this film and food festival. So stay tuned. Coming back right after these messages. (laughs) Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element, Element, Element
0: FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. Well, it is a pleasure to welcome to the show, Chef... I was going to say chief, but it's chef, chef Jenny, <laughs> Jennifer Jenny Lazard. No, she is a part of what's taking place with the Devour Food Film Festival, which takes place annually in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Not only is Devour Canada's largest food and film festival, but it's the biggest of its kind globally. That's pretty cool. Now you'll see from the festival's programming uh, that it knows no bounds as far as ranges from different topics related to food, including trends, farming, sustainability, and more. And this year's theme is Global Indigenous Cinema and Cuisine and the festival will be featuring a plethora of culinary workshops and film screenings, both in person and online, for patrons across the country to partake in. Now, as I mentioned, Chef Jennifer, or Jenny Lazard, proudly boasts a Métis heritage as well as a culinary resume that includes restaurant owner, award-winning caterer, and most recently, indigenous culinary consultant at Wanuskewin Heritage Park. Um, so it's a pleasure to have uh, Jenny or uh, Jenny, or Jennifer uh, here to talk about it. Now, in 2019, Chef Lazard became the first female and Métis executive chef at Skewin uh, as the park's indigenous culinary consultant, and she uh, creates and refines a variety of immersive culinary experiences, such as the Han Wee Moon dinner series.
3: Is
1: that? Mm-hmm. It's, that's a uh, Dakota word for. Um- for moon, which is night sun, mm. translated as moon. So we have an open air dinner during the summer and fall months, four courses right outside overlooking the apemaha Valley with ingredients mm. that I've been able to gather from the valley.
0: Now, you are also one of the growing number of chefs who focus on showcasing the Indigenous Canadian cuisine while integrating the concept of foraging a prevalent trend at many celebrated restaurants in Canada and around the world and I've been hearing more and more and more about this now jenny is also is leading an indigenous culinary masterclass for youth which will be available online and in person on Friday October 22nd that sounds pretty cool i want to go back to this idea of foraging for a moment because uh, as i said that i thought of two things i thought hmm i wonder if that means you have to go out and forage the food for yourself
2: <laughs> but i know that <laughs> isn't mean at the case no, yeah that's, that's right not. <laughs>
1: that's not what the participants have to do i wish they could would not be fun but i'm in someone else's territory i've never been to the east coast i don't really even know what what would grow wild there so it's going to be really exciting to go and see that um and it, even the word foraging like i grew up um, north of Larange saskatchewan mm. and we didn't have TV reception. We didn't even have a telephone; we had a radio phone. Mm. I'm kind of dating myself here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no internet in the 70s, so I went out and picked berries and picked mint that grew around the lake and looked at all the beautiful plants. And whenever I found someone that had knowledge pertaining to those plants, I'd be like a little sponge and listen and ask. So, um, gathering and cooking has been what I've what I've been doing since I was a small, small, small child. Mm it's really awesome that people are acknowledging that it's so much more than foraging. It's how people have lived and thrived on Turtle Island for so many thousands of years, right? Mm. It's not just a a cool little side dish on a, you know, tweezer food plate on a menu. This is actually robust cuisine and medicine that's carried First Nations and then Métis people throughout years and years.
0: Right. Uh, Jenny, how do you think that changes the the idea of what not only the presentation but the the taste that people uh, are going to devour when they sit down to a meal.
1: Mm, well, I think if people know where something comes from, the history of the food. Mm i often <laughs> when i grew up my my foster brother was blind and had cerebral palsy and he was mm. a few years younger than me and he had a hard time eating things because if you can't see how gorgeous something right. is like a piece of lettuce it just tastes like a floppy piece of lettuce yeah. so i kind of grew up cajoling him or describing him into eating food and that mm. continued on when i had a restaurant and kind of farming country in the prairies and i was using some kind of I guess you could say weird or different ingredients that people weren't familiar with. Mm. It's wonderful to hear the story related to the ingredient mm. and then take a taste. For instance, I'm using um, tamarack branches that I harvest. just fallen underneath tamarack trees that I'll clean, of course, and peel down and then use those to skewer the bison on my dish for, at the street food fair at Devour. And I want to be there to be able to tell people, or maybe have some people that are helping explain that, You know, don't just throw that stick away. You want to bite your teeth into it and kind of get that, you know, lime grassy pineapple piney flavor and then eat it alongside the bison. I can't even remember what the original question was. I got so-, <laughs> so into thinking about that dish.
0: No, that's great. It sounds great as well. Um, <laughs> and also, I really liked what you said though about uh, having to describe the food to your relative who who was blind. I, I'd never thought yeah. about that before. You know, that's that really does uh, have you to to work at at describing uh, to try and get you know, that across to someone that's, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. And
1: I don't know if that's the experience for, you know, other people who are yeah. born visually impaired at all. Maybe sure. that's not part of that experience. He had cerebral palsy as well, but it really, um, it opened me up to the fact that it's not always an easy act to mm-hmm. eat, whether, you know, maybe you're a, a <laughs> picky eater i don't like it when people call mm. themselves that because mm. everyone has issues for a reason sure. or whether you've just never tried it before right so let's think back to you know years and years and years ago before that chain of harvesting as a family or hunting as a family was broken you'd know what you were eating because you would have been there picking it with yeah. the group right that's right so i think we've become a lot of us have become disconnected from our food and from where our food comes from and events like this especially with a focus on indigenous um chefs and indigenous cooking paired with films featuring indigenous issues relating to land and food and ways of being and knowing i think it's such a powerful tool and i really um i'm excited to be part of that i didn't i i'd heard of devour fest before mm. but i was super busy this summer getting ready and you know, everything was reopening <laughs> and things mm. and now i'm looking at it and it's it's such a powerful um event and mm. I'm so glad that we're going to be able to share our cuisine and I'm, I'm traveling with another member of Icam which is the Indigenous Culinary Association of Nations mm. and it's a board of chefs, a voluntary board of chefs from across Canada and we um, just get together and think of different ways that we can further and and help the understanding of indigenous cuisine so Joseph Shawana, the board chair and founding member is actually overseeing alongside one um, one of the other chefs on site, the whole culinary program. So that'll be so cool to be able to taste his food. I've, I joined just before COVID, so I've only had the opportunity to taste his food once. But when people say Indigenous cuisine, like I'm on Treaty 4 territory and the homeland of the Métis here in the mm. Capel Valley of Saskatchewan. I grew up in Treaty 6 territory, north of Laurent, which is kind of the geographic center of Saskatchewan but people refer to as the north
3: Mm.
1: and there's complete well not completely but mostly different things that you can harvest and that will sustain you Mm. so I grew up you know there was moose and blueberries and pickerel and suckerfish and northern pike and here there's saskatoon berries and chokecherries and sage Mm. and rabbit and deer so there's so many it's so different just in in one province mm. that you know featuring food from across north america would mm. be amazing and actually there's a there's a chef from finland too who's um a Sami chef mm. so that'll be super cool he's doing a reindeer cookery class Ooh. Wow. which i'm going to take because i am done all my duties and then i'll be able to <laughs> sneak into that class so for me this trip is about you know, obviously expressing myself and showing how I like to cook and what I cook with. and But it's going to be equal parts learning for me, too.
0: Right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned a couple of things there, because I was going to ask you, had you participated in uh, Devour before? And you answered that question by saying this is your first time out there. So mm-hmm. it's uh, very exciting for you. And that uh, sounds very exciting. I'm also glad you mentioned Joseph, uh, because uh, he... I have had him on the show uh, before. You know, one of the things I think uh, for for a host of, of a show, uh, when you have a, a chef on your program, uh, is I believe that, that it's it's one of the things that you like to do is taste some of the food that they're going to be preparing.
1: <laughs> and, and Were you cold, able to taste some of this no, food? No, I've never had a chance. <laughs> I thought maybe he joined you in the studio with a little plate to... of. You know, he, yeah. I, he did actually
0: join me. I think I might have had him on twice. Once he came into the studio uh, and we did... He he did come in, and he didn't bring any with anything with him. And mm. uh, I probably should have blacklisted him right there. But anyway,
1: <laughs> <happens to them>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Hope he's not
0: listening. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he did come back on, and I had him on, and we did talk about um, how during COVID, and I believe it's that organization you, you talked about, were yes. uh, doing things across the country to uh, send out meals. To people mm-hmm.
1: yeah we we did that and it was just so amazing to be able to like normally we'd be cooking for you know thousands of people at different events across Canada but we were able to direct that um you know kind of a small amount of funding that we have yeah. into creating meals for our own communities yep um and we did at Wanuskewin a feast box of locally raised turkey bannock stuffing low bush cranberry sauce Um, three sisters cookies for dessert. I can't remember what else we put in there, but it was a, you know, a turkey dinner with an Mm. indigenous twist Mm -hmm. basically with all local ingredients. And then we partnered with the Saskatchewan public school foundation Mm -hmm. and they right at the beginning of COVID, they identified that kids who weren't in school may be missing some meals. Mm. So every month um, they went and identified some kids worked with the family school coordinators and were able to get food and activities out to them once a month. So we participated in that while our facility was still closed in July, 2020, they put together, I think it was 500 Bannock mixes. So wow. my great aunt's Bannock mix mm-hmm. recipe and then Saskatoon jam. And there's some activity packets from Montesquieu too. So um, then the, the 100 packages seemed like it would be a little bit less work but of course it's 100 turkey dinners so (laughs) it wasn't less work but it was wonderful and the team the culinary team at Wanuskewin came together and did that so well and I know um we also involved some not just the chefs that are in ICAM but ambassadors that we identified throughout in other areas of Mm. the country so that that went a long way and it really helped connect us to our communities I hope we can do it again.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: not, not sure if we can, but...
0: It's kind of like a great, a great thing to be able to do for people. Yeah, and
1: there's always a need, COVID or not, oh, yeah. right?
0: Sure, so. of course, yeah. Well, uh, you, know, you mentioned uh, Bannock and uh, my stomach started to rumble uh, mm. when you were saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thinking about this, this food festival. Uh, I'm guessing that it's probably... Not the time to be looking at perhaps uh, adhering to your diet during the festival times. So you're probably going to go there and want to devour as much food as you can and take uh, take in as much of this as possible as well.
1: The schedule is for a participant, but I would say probably eat lightly the week before and <laughs> wear, wear your stretchy pants. <laughs> but just look at all the, the different offerings that the chefs are bringing. It's it's yeah, obviously a lot of food, but... It's such good food mm. and I, you, you probably are going to want to be eating mindfully and a lot of people sure. haven't been out yep. very often. It's true. So this is a, a really good opportunity to just go and listen and eat and savor and devour and, and then tell other people about it. Right.
0: And, and I really like the idea that this, of course, this festival is a combination of not only uh, enjoying food and trying new things, but you're also getting exposed to other things and, and perhaps sitting down to eat and watch a film at the same time, or if not at the same time, you're going to be, you have that opportunity to uh, to participate, learn something about, uh, you know, Indigenous cuisine, uh, participate and, and taste the cuisine, as well as uh, educate yourself and be entertained with some films as well throughout the process.
1: Yeah, my first job was... Um at a theater in La Ronge, Saskatchewan. Mm. And my second job was running a food truck with two or three other <laughs> friends at our municipal airport. We borrowed a we borrowed a trailer from our Kickinut Friendship Center and we served little tiny burgers and <laughs> chips <laughs> and pop to people coming in off the flights in the north. So for me, this is like whoa, food and film, yes, that's <laughs> that's wow. what I'm all about. So <laughs> I'm really excited. The film that I've been paired with is called Kiss the Ground, and it's about regenerative agriculture. So I'm mm. serving a salad that I serve at the Hanwee dinner mm. that's made almost entirely from ingredients from the Aski garden in Saskatoon. So Aski means earth and mm. everything, including the plate, the fallen banana leaf plate that we serve it on goes back to the garden. So I think this is a super good fit for me and my cuisine and, and all the other chefs, too. But mm. I, I just can't wait.
0: You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest here on the show is uh, Jennifer or Jenny Lazard and she is um, one of the people that will be participating as a chef for the Devour Food Film Festival taking place annually at Wolfville, Nova Scotia and uh, that is taking place from October 19th to the 24th. You can find out more by actually going to their website and that is devourfest.com. There you will see everything about the film festival and the food festival, the program, uh, the things, that you can, you can also buy tickets for these events because it's also a virtual event. Now, there are some things that are in person, but there are also events and things that are virtual so you can participate, learn. And uh, Jenny, is there going to be um, things that people can participate online in terms of classes to learn how to perhaps make food, dishes?
1: Yes, all the master classes are online, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's actually, I guess I shouldn't have favorites of all the events that I've been assigned, <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I, I love cooking with kids. Mm. I love, love it. I love telling my story of how I'm still doing the same thing that I was passionate about when I was four years old. Mm. I, and then also there'll be a lot of indigenous youth from the area there online and, and in the room. So I think for them to see that, Hey, someone cooking the food that they grew up with has made a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Or even if they don't, I just think it's going to be so exciting, and, and kids are very real, so mm. yeah. <laughs> so they'll tell me what they really think of my bannock, <laughs> of my my soup, and yeah, and my tip butter. So and they're going to get really. They're we will of course adhere to all the safety protocols, but I yeah. have a lot of hands-on things for them to do. They're going yeah. to get a little container of rose hips that I've harvested that they're going to peel and and they're going to crush some juniper berries and chop some dried Saskatoons. So I really want it to be, you know, they've probably been missing that a little bit, so tactile. And I want them to ask questions and be themselves and it'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, I think a lot of the um a lot of the events are available online and the prices are really reasonable. Wow.
0: I noticed like five bucks. Isn't
1: it? I know, it's
0: great. It's great. Um, Now, you mentioned uh, kids (laughs) and you mentioned uh, the reel and you mentioned uh, how much you will enjoy that and why wouldn't you? And why wouldn't the kids enjoy it? Because of exactly what you said, the tactile, the hands-on process, which is what Part of what food is makes it so great about working with, because it is hands-on, and you get your hands in there, and you, you start to you get to you know it's a it's a creative process because you're actually taking something and either changing it by the cooking process or the or the the mixing of ingredients or the baking process or whatever it is it is you're taking something from a natural state and 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 you know. Voila, out of, the, out of the oven pops this wonderful uh, creation that you then get to devour and eat. So what's wrong with that?
1: A little bit magical, isn't it? And if food is about storytelling, who loves mm. stories better than kids? Right. Listening to and telling and, and yeah, I, I'm so excited. I'm still a kid at heart in case you hadn't noticed. So I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to taking in as many of the other chefs' events as I can, the ones that we aren't doing all at once or at the same time. Mm
0: well i get criticized for being a big kid i don't mind being called that <laughs>
3: <That's> <laughs> no problem okay. with
0: that at all you know what? the other thing is really nice about the uh, devour website for the food and film festival is the logo that's been created and i believe it's david brooks it looks like that created the label i'm not sure if this is a recurring one or if it's uh, new for this year but it's really cool
1: yeah i was wondering about that too isn't that eye-catching It's <laughs> kind of Makes you want to know more and, and it's, it's quite a powerful image. I
0: love it. It, it is. And, and I was going to say, pardon the pun there, because in the middle of this, it uh, looks like a turtle back, uh, is what looks like both a shell as well as an eye, um, you know, when you look at it. So it, it does stimulate different things, which makes perfect sense because the shell is that you eat, something you eat and a film yeah. is something you watch. So uh, it has both of those things uh, right in there.
1: Yeah, I think you see that when you see that logo, you, you understand that this is going to be a super creative and non-boring <laughs> event. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And um, now you mentioned a class that uh, you are in a film that you are paired up with. Is that the same for the other chefs as well?
1: Yes, they each have have a film and i'm not exactly sure how the pairing process went but i just i watched mine and you know cried and laughed and Mm. spoke my screen several times yes yes (laughs) so they whoever was pairing us did a did a really good job i think the other chefs feel the same way too so watching that and then having that the passion come out in the in the little dish we create so the That event is just a little bite of food. So I wasn't making fun of tweezer food earlier, but I guess I kind of was. But this one is a little more of just a curated little bite for people. It's free after the film just to kind of tie in Mm. what they've been wanting with what the chef imagined would go with. And the thing is that
0: uh, the films are are not necessarily based on food. These are all based on different topics. um, And so people need to really go and look to see what the film is that they are going to be watching. Uh, You can check that out uh, when you go to the program on the website. As I mentioned, it's devourfest.com if you go there. Uh, Jenny, you are involved with not only this film festival, when you're not doing that, you, you have uh, a load of other things you're involved with that you are doing. Um, tell us a little bit more about that side of yourself.
1: I moved to Saskatoon in 2012 and started catering. Did that for about eight years. And during that time I met, well, I always had known about Wanuskewin Heritage Park because it's just an amazing place that anyone with Indigenous or non-Indigenous heritage is, is basically aware of. It's a site where um, most of the people on the Plains had come at some point for the last 6,000 years. So there's archaeological records that are older than the pyramids. Wow. There's a beautiful interpretive center that just underwent a, a large-scale renovation. Um, I was executive chef throughout that time, so it was a tad challenging, but it's We've come through the other side, and it's just an amazing place to go and learn. So um, I started collaborating on this Han Wei project with um, the marketing director, Andrew McDonald, who had kind of honed the idea.
0: As you were uh, talking about that, I looked up the website, uh, Oskewin website, and I'm just looking at this aerial view of the place. It, the building looks really, really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that's the restaurant is inside of this building.
1: It is on the inside. Yeah. And I was able to help with the, the, kind of the redesign and refresh of the,
0: Mm.
1: of the, that was a lot of fun. Mm. And um, we're incorporating some of my recipes into the menu. They have a a large catering facility too, which Mm. is, you know, it's very difficult with COVID to know when when to book something like that, but it seems like it's all coming online now. And the main new area is called the Pasqua round or overlooks, you know, basically a, you know, 180 view of the valley. So you can be sitting there at a conference or wedding or whatever, and an eagle could fly by or yeah. Osprey. It's just every there's always something that happens when I'm out there, whether I'm out there harvesting, it's not a, a site that everybody can go and harvest because it's
3: yeah.
1: a protected site. But yeah. for these small scale dinners I'm allowed to go and gather. And there's always a moment where, you know, you'll see a moose or you'll see a deer or, you know, something will happen where you go, okay, I'm I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. And this is a very special place. So I hope to take that spirit with me too. The Mm. (laughs) the spirit of Wanuskewa and the peaceful gathering place when I go to devour.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, do you know, is this going to be new for you in terms of meeting uh, some of the other chefs as well? Or do you, have you already been introduced and know, know them all?
1: Oh no, I've met Joseph once in person. Yep. Uh, and the rest of our interactions have been through zoom meetings we have an amazing whatsapp chain going with all of our icon chefs from across canada we share pictures of what we're cooking what we're working on mm. but i've never met the other chefs so i'm super excited i've just been doing a little bit of research on them and i'm feeling a little nervous i'm just a <laughs> self chef, <laughs> i have the whole community to thank for my training but um yeah, I'm so excited to meet them. I'm not sure exactly like how much time we'll be able to spend together, but mm-hmm. we're prepping at the local culinary college. I can't remember the name right now, but that's very exciting too. They've basically allocated this whole week for us to be in their space and them to be giving us a hand. So that's that's going to be amazing. I'm not sure if we'll all be prepping at once or if we need to book different parts of the kitchen. I'm sure we'll be mm-hmm. rubbing shoulders at some point.
0: Right. And I guess it's really exciting, of course, that uh, Thompson Highway is going to be the uh, the opening uh, open, opening the mm-hmm. festival, which is really I cool.
1: that. Oh my goodness!
0: That's worth going right there. Oh,
1: <laughs> I know. I just feel so blessed. I'm very excited, and and I can't wait. I, I'm already packed. I have to tell you that. And the,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, had- I hope it's none of the food that that's uh, you know perishable that's packed. <laughs> no.
1: Just any health inspectors listening, we are not <laughs> taking proteins. I'm right, just right. talking about dried ingredients that we can't access there. But.
0: Right. <laughs> That's right. That's
1: the great. And with indigenous cuisine too, that if we can get just a tiny bit political for a second, is mm. that it is always hard to cook indigenous food for the public in a restaurant setting or a festival setting when you can't actually use the animal the way it would be used in your cuisine, right? Like, yes, we're not going out and trapping rabbits that morning or
3: yes.
1: you know harvesting moose or caribou right yes. it's all and i mean yes to right now that's the system to protect the consumer's health but it does it does impact the taste i know when you serve a you know duck from a, a farm to an elder as opposed to duck that someone has brought to them mm. they can definitely tell the distant the, the difference we mm. had a forest fire situation happen here in saskatchewan in 2015 and a lot of the elders that were evacuated were not eating mm. because even the traditional foods that were prepared in a traditional way were not using the wild meats mm. and they could so the health inspectors in saskatoon you know allowed quotations to the facility that was cooking for most of the elders to use that wild meat, which was amazing.
0: Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Very interesting. Jenny, Mm -hmm. we're going to have to leave it there, but it's been fascinating speaking with you. Congratulations on your involvement with devour the food film festival, which we've been talking about and what you'll be doing to participate in this. And also the, uh, the fact uh, of your other acknowledgments and, and your, your, uh, your, your involvement with the uh, Wisconsin, Wait, I've forgotten how to say that name again. Wanasquin? No. Winesquen. Winesquen. No, Winesquen. What, is, what
1: is it? You know what? I think the original pronunciation of Cree would be the way you're saying it, Winesquen. Mm. So and
0: it's
1: it- been kind of so you're saying it absolutely perfectly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Yo, thank you for getting me off that so
1: easily. No problem.
0: <laughs> anyway, congratulations. And, it, you know, it would be really cool to touch base with you after this to see how it went and, uh, and see what you learned and see what the whole process was like and just being there. It sounds like such a great experience.
1: I think I'll be a changed person. <laughs> I, I do. I really, you know, you can tell when something's going to be, a, it's going to be big. Mm. And I feel like this big and I just can't wait to see what that what that entails.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jenny thanks once again and all the best and I hope you have a great time out there.
1: Thank you so much for having me. You bet. I
0: appreciate it. You bet. All right. You take care. All
1: right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. And that is Chef Jennifer Jenny Lazard and she is of Métis heritage. She is a restaurant owner award-winning caterer and most recently indigenous culinary consultant at Wisconsin Heritage Park and she is taking part in the Devour Food Film Festival that is out out in Wolfville Nova Scotia from October 19th to the 24th with over 45 events and the event also is going to be featuring Thompson Highway and so uh, you can check that all out as I said at the devourfest.com website thanks for listening to Moment of Truth I'm your host David Moses we'll see you again next time